Welcome to episode six of a podcast greater than yourself. I'm John Barleycorn. And I am Fred. And uh, this week we sat down with our new friend, Julie, co-host of the podcast Two Sober Chicks. Yeah, I'm so happy that she was willing to come on our podcast after we sent her uh, our first episode and maybe made a joke about it, which might get referenced in the pod. Um, And also, she just brought so much incredible stuff and has just a really incredible viewpoint on our topic and just AA in general. I was just really impressed with with her in general. There's a huge depth in the uh, seeking and learning that she's doing around recovery and the 12 steps and stuff. And speaking of 12 steps, we kind of focused the whole discussion around step 12, but I feel like it veered off into some really, really cool areas. Let us know what you think about it. Drop us a line at podcastgreaterthanyourself at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram at a podcast greater than yourself. Uh, find us on your favorite podcast app, whether it be Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, I don't know, whichever, however yeah. many there are now. Drop us a review, please, or at least a rating. I'm begging. I'm desperate. <laughs> He's literally on his knees. I can see it. it's fucking disgusting. All right. Uh, enjoy the episode. Thanks. In our first episode where I made <laughs> two sober chicks joke. Um, was, in the first like <laughs> in the first two and a half minutes, the first I think it's like mm-hmm. yeah, it's the first fifteen seconds probably. Um, that was yeah. uh, the funniest part was that Fred didn't even like remember that I did that when he was like, "Oh, I'm I, I'm gonna I sent her this episode." And I was like, "Oh, that's great," because <laughs> I hadn't even listened to it yet. <laughs> I I, uh, I kind of made a joke, and then she, he was like, "What? That's in there." Um, but like I had never even listened to you guys at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the joke was because I was like, we were both kind of just, what do we call our podcast? Just like, I, what is this going to be called? So I started thumbing through Apple podcasts and looking at sober podcasts, trying to figure out like what names are out there and what wasn't. And I saw two sober chicks and instantly one of the front runners for me at least was two sober dicks. let's be two sober dicks perfect why not yeah because i think like a kind of our brand you know the way that we talk about recovery and stuff and from he and i's previous experience with like uh instagram recovery memes and stuff um that's kind of how we're probably going to be viewed by a lot of a lot of people I love it. I was going to say, well, I have my big book and a bottle of hand lotion. So is that like sufficient to be on your podcast? <laughs> it's requisite. Am I qualified? And is yeah. it requisite? Qualified? You're good. Okay. You're good. Okay, good. Yeah. That was why it was so funny to me. Cause I was like, I was like, well, maybe I'll go listen to that podcast now. And then I did. And I was like, oh, these are women Oops. like talking about being recovered <laughs> and like right. taking people through the book and stuff. I was like, oh, this is great. And then I was like, immediately like, well, wow, uh, that really sounds like I'm shitting on them. In this, yeah. <laughs> our first episode, the first five seconds of our first episode where I'm like, I know nothing about this. I just think it's a funny name. <laughs> so um, we brought you here it because I laugh. owe you an amends. I wasn't t- upset at all. <laughs> yeah, we, well, thank yeah. you. This is, this, is my, <laughs> this is my formal amends. Uh, well, thank you. So what stood out to me was how much this chapter working with others talks about how 
to approach alcoholics that are still suffering. And it never says anything other than be helpful. It says be careful a lot, like be careful never to show intolerance mm-hmm. um, because you might repel someone. Be careful not to have bitterness or hostility. Be careful not to moralize or lecture. Um, as I see a lot of people that do the opposite, they're like the thumpers and they're like, you're going to die. And that to me is not being helpful. Like helpful is offering someone aid. And this chapter really focuses on how we do that. And it's not how a lot of old timers see it. They're like, throw the book at someone and you can't want it more than them, which is true. Mm -hmm. But I love the gentleness of these. Like this is two guys in the forties that like were a businessman and a doctor. They were like badass dudes. And they're like, be careful, be gentle, be mindful, love and tolerance. Just the sweetness of it was really endearing to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's uh, what is it? There's the one line toward the beginning of where they're talking about you know like never talk down to an alcoholic, um, and there's there's one line in there that's kind of a remind I'm reminded of from what you're saying where they they stress to like you know it so they're talking about like multiple different approaches like. You know, tailor your approach to this person. One of the very first things it says is like, find out all you can about him. Mm-hmm. And and to me, like me taking my like bullshit, rote, pat attitude and approach to every person I meet in a meeting and being like, well, he just didn't want it enough. You know, like <laughs> when he doesn't <laughs> respond to that, it's like that's my failing. That's my ego. That's my bullshit. That's me putting my stuff before God and between God and this dude instead of like me getting out of God's way. So like if I'm, if I'm doing that, I'm, you know, we were, Fred and I were talking the other day about an AA who we know, who we both adore and who is, you know, probably very, very effective with a very specific kind of person. Um, but who is like a hammer and hammers only see nails and it's like, everything's a fucking nail, you know? And like when this person fails to adapt to me hammering the shit out of them, that's on them. I'm moving on. And chapter seven does not tell me to do that. Chapter seven, the, the, the roughest chapter seven gets is it's like, wait till this guy is really depressed and see if maybe he'll, he'll want it more than, you know, which I've heard people refer to as like manipulative, but I think it's like, it's just reality. It's like, hey, brother, I've been there. Your wife has not mm-hmm. been there. I've been there. I'm not there anymore. You want to know how? Yeah. So I think like between that and being like, you know, if this guy doesn't want it, peace out. Just, hey, cool, man. But that's not a harsh, intolerant thing. That's that's a loving, understanding approach to be like, well... I'm not going to force you into this thing because that's not what this is about. You know? Yeah. Um, it says that if your talk has been sane, quiet and full of human understanding and yeah. how we, if we do not exhibit a passion for crusader reform. Mm-hmm. And I think John, that is so smart. What you said, I used to feel really bad that I have all these sponsees and yet my relationship with each one of them is different. Like some of them need a lot more gentleness and need to cry. Some of them are like, okay, sister, get on it. You've been on step four for a while, but this chapter and your comments right now just sort of gave me that extra. Okay. I'm doing it right. 
because you, I know a lot of people where they sponsor one way and one way only and everyone gets the same swath and I just don't work that way. You know, I, uh, my sponsor was when I was early on with sponsorship, he would always say you sponsor the guy in front of you. Yeah. And, uh, and that was really sound advice. You know, it was like, mm. not like you, I mean, it's exactly what you said. There, there are people you kind of have to beat them over the head a little bit and kind of show them their, their, you know, absurdness. And there are other people who you have to sit next to them and put your arm around their shoulder and let them know that it's going to be okay. And, um, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, um, here's the thing I've, become the evangelist AA. I've done that. You know, I've gone through that path and I'll probably do it again at some point. It's, um, it's a combination of sponsoring a ton of people, um, not having a tremendous amount of success and then hearing the other way of doing things in meetings that goes against it. And and then you watch, and then you, you know, four people, you know, in a three month period of time die. Um, and, and I think it's hard not to become an evangelist a little bit and, and not to get maybe a little angry. Um, but I think, you know, uh, there's the whole idea behind everything we're talking about. I'm going to step on my reading a little bit here, but the whole idea of what we're talking about in Alcoholics Anonymous is, is to, to be growing spiritually, right? And to me, growing spiritually means to have an idea of what God, this is just what I think, but it's to have an idea of what God is, and then is to try to grow towards it, right? Mm-hmm. And so like, if my idea yeah. of God is perfect love and tolerance, if I'm not adjusting my sponsorship style based on the failings and successes that I've had over the course of years, then what the fuck am I doing? Mm-hmm. Like you it preach is, it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, it can't just be that. Well, I did, this is how I did it. And now 10 years later, I'm just going to keep doing that way without ever looking back. And, but, but every day I'm going to sit down at night and write an inventory and ask myself questions about my day, but I'm not going to add in the part <laughs> where like, well, maybe today I wasn't like the most effective sponsor. I'm just going to be like, no, that keeps working because that's God. You know, it's like, no, it's like, I have to look at all of this as a whole thing. And part of my life is as a sponsor and I have to try to grow to become a better sponsor. That's a good word, Fred. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, God is everything or God is nothing. You know, I had to look at that. You know, I had to look at, is God everything? I have to look at, is God everything or is God nothing? Sometimes daily when I'm struggling, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I have a 10 step fear that's like turning a spring in my gut. You know, well, is God everything or nothing? Well, I know God's not nothing. Mm-hmm. So there's my choice. You know, how do I let God, you know, convince me that this is also God, you know, right. telling me like, okay, I'm going to see this in my nightly review and be like, well, wow, I really tried to apply the uh, approach that worked with Jimmy to James. And like, I tried eight different times and it just didn't work. You know, mm-hmm. James is a different human being. Maybe, maybe <laughs> God's trying to help me grow, you know? Mm-hmm. No, no, I really hated that. God is everything or God is nothing. I was like, what is this? Why is it so black and white? <laughs> No, no, really struggled with that a lot. Yeah, it's a good one. You, you changed your sponsorship style, correct? Based on like you had originally gone through the steps one way with your sponsor and, and then you shifted your sponsorship style. Was it because you saw that a different way was more effective or or why did you make that change? The way I went through it before was way too complicated. I wasn't doing it like by the book. Like this is the 12th step. Joe and Charlie say this is this big book is the 12th step in print form. Mm-hmm. Like this is the problem, the solution, the plan of action. 
And I was like getting all sidetracked and doing all of this research. And I wasn't looking at, okay, okay, where in the big book does it talk about step one? Where in the big book about step two? Like if I, this is my recovery Bible, so I have to go buy this book and then incorporate, which is genius, the 12 and 12, because that's where I started to really understand the steps. So my sponsorship style now is we need to get in the steps right now. Yes, you can tell me your story. Yes, you can tell me what's going on. I just I typically ask, like, how long have you tried recovery? How far have you gotten? Are you on any meds? Do you have any mental health diagnoses? Okay, great. Let's go into step one. Like none of this, like, let's meet and greet. Let's have a coffee. Like we are responsible that we have now found a solution to give it to the still suffering alcoholic who may die tomorrow. Like I take it way more seriously and it's way less cerebral and it's just keep it simple, get into the book, go to the steps. And once I did that, God sent me like four and five more sponsees because it was like, okay, you're getting it now. Like stop complicating it. I had like one version for Christians. It's like scripture in there. And then another one for like spirit of the universe girls and like quotes from Tolstoy. Like it was ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) If you're quoting Tolstoy, you have fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I guess I think the thing that comes to mind instantly um, two things. So I, like, I was listening to a, a step series that was just recently done with some, some, uh, a, a famous speakers who, who I really admire, um, actually earlier today. And one of them was talking about how people are always asking like, Oh, well, as a sponsor, like how soon do I get someone in the steps? And it was just really funny to me to, to hear that that's like a frequently asked question because, hmm. and I think it has more to do with like, um, how I was approached and taken through the steps this time in AA. It just strikes me as funny that, that someone who would be at the place where they're sponsoring people would be asking that question because, to my mind and to my experience and to what everything I see in this book says, it's it's exactly what you just hit on, which is like, hi, I'm Julie. You need a sponsor? Cool. Let's sit down and start step one right now. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not like your, your meeting buddy and we're not going to go bowling. Like, this is the priority. This is why I'm here. I already have a social life. I got a family at home. I got stuff going on. I'm here to do this and to show you this because I am uniquely qualified as a recovered alcoholic to pass this on to you. You know? Absolutely. It's like the answer to that question is, uh, how long, how quickly should I get a sponsee into steps? Uh, right fucking now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. See, this and is, the, this is the thing. And I know that Fred's got something to say, but this is the thing that like the second that I put on your podcast when I was like, yeah, two sober dicks. That's funny. Huh? Huh? But I didn't really explain the joke when I made it in episode one. And let me just listen to the podcast and a second, like I think 15 seconds into putting it on, I was like, oh, I fucked up saying because because it's so rare that I and this isn't a critique on women it's just so rare that I think it's a critique on AA uh, the fellowship like I don't hear recovered women talking about being recovered and helping other women recover through the book I don't hear it maybe um, 20% of the time I hear it maybe Mm -hmm. most and, and, and I mean I think with men I hear it 
maybe 50% of the time, maybe. So it's not to say that it's this huge disparate number, but that was the most striking thing where I was like, oh shit, okay, this is like, she's dropping some AA game. And I was like, Mm -hmm. bloop, bloop, bloop. Let me text this dude. Hey, check out this (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I think um, you're you're talking, maybe think of two things like, I've had two recent experiences um, with new, very new people in Alcoholics Anonymous. One was a true 12 step call where the guy was like still drinking and we went there to try to, you know, offer this solution to him. And the second was um, where I spoke at a meeting on the first step and, um, and, and, you know, both were treated exactly with the directions out of the working with others chapter. One, I left with a book in hand, he, he took the book and he's still drinking today and that's okay. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that. And the other one, when I left the, the speaking engagement, we, uh, we had him start his fourth step. Um, and, and that's, you know, and that's exactly what, you know, what you were saying is like, when do I get him into the steps? Like, um, we're going to do it right fucking now. As long as that's like, as long as they're willing, if they're <laughs> willing, we're going to go. The first guy is not that he wasn't well, no, he just, he wasn't willing. He didn't, he still had to figure out whether or not. So I just left him armed with facts. Like, Hey man, if you find yourself 90 days from now and you've made a pledge to not drink for six months and you find yourself drunk in 90 days, that might be something you want to consider. You might want to then give us a call or take, take a look at this book, you know? Um, and, and the other guy, when he came up to me after we, after I spoke, um, I had just done a first step talk. He knew everything I was going to tell him about the first step. I was like, did everything I just said sound right? He's like, yep. I'm like, cool. Where are you, on, where are you at on God? He's like, yeah, I'm cool with it. I'm like, great. Are you open to a new relationship with God? He's like, yep. I'm like, cool. Let's uh, let's quick get on to step three then. And we just got on to step three. We got That's on our awesome. knees in the treatment center. Did his st- I mean, I was 35 minutes and he was, and we were sitting down and I was showing him how to write a four step so that I can go back this week, review what he's done so far, make sure he's on the right track. Hopefully another week. I came out of there. It was the first time I'd done a live meeting in four months or whatever. And this treatment center invited us in and, uh, I came out of there and, you know, I was so jazzed and like, I was like, Oh man, it was because I mean, there is something to be said about doing it right there in person on thing. Like it was just incredible. That's awesome. But I think that's, that's so cool. to your point. That's the difference is like, um, if I have a sponsee who's willing and ready to go, let's just go. There's no need to, there's no need to sit around and, and pontificate or, or get any deeper. They know that they have a fucking problem already. I don't need to tell them, you know, we have time to get into that, all that other stuff. And especially I tell my sponsees, you will know this book. Like you will know it, but w- there's time for that later. Mm-hmm. We yes. need to get you recovered first. Then we can dive into all the other stuff. Yeah, because meetings, that's what we do. We go through the 12 and 12. We go through the big book. They'll get that somewhere else. But meetings aren't taking people step by step through the book. That's not my responsibility to like, let's sit down and take you through the book at first. We can do the steps and then we can get into the book. But, you know, where the circle of badass recovery warrior women I'm involved with, we are all like book people, book studies, step studies, meetings. Let's get into it. Dope. And I know. (laughs) That's awesome. So good. (laughs) So great. At Revolving Hills of Malibu, we have an incredible staff. This is Teresa Stein. She's one of our licensed therapists. I'm happy to help. 
She's been divorced four times and doesn't really get AA, but let her talk to you about relationships and your recovery. Well, that's less than flattering. Meet Barry. We call him a chef, but he has no formal training whatsoever. How's it going? See him about a delicious rib sandwich or an SSRI. Don't believe none of them girls who are in here for anorexia what they tell you about my cooking. They spread a bunch of rumors make it easier for each other not to eat the food. Revolving Hills Malibu I, I would love to read my reading. Let's hear it. Um, it's on page 96. Which I know is used as the punchline for a joke. But, um... Oh, Joe and Charlie kind of popularized that joke, I think, actually. Mm-hmm. Let's see. So, do not be discouraged if your prospect does not respond at once. Search out another alcoholic and try again. You are sure to find someone desperate enough to accept with eagerness what you offer. We find it a waste of time to keep chasing a man who cannot or will not work with you. Um... And it's kind of what we were already talking about. And I got really excited when you guys were both talking because a couple things. And I say this like anytime I read almost any reading or comment on any reading from chapter seven. Um, this is not about sounding like Joe sobriety or Joe spirituality at a meeting and waiting for some needy, enamored new guy to walk up to me and be like, please, sir, may I have some sobriety? You know, um, <laughs> it tells me so many times in this chapter and in the whole book that my job is to go find people is, is to keep seeking opportunities. And like we were talking about a minute ago with this COVID situation, like I can't, I can't count the number of people in the early, you know, uh, primordial zoom days <laughs> a few months ago when everyone was like, what, how do you do this? Um, <laughs> uh, I, I can't, I can't count how many people were in those meetings and their share was like, it's, I'm really scared. I'm everything is scared. You know? And it's just like, and it, to me, like I was excited. Cause like, firstly, I don't really super dig going and sitting in a room with a bunch of strangers and being like, here, here's all, here's all my stuff in this pitch that like half the people in the room are like rolling their eyes at anyway, because they're in like the sober softball kind of fellowship area and they don't want to hear me talk about this thing that I found that's miraculous. Um, and then there's that aspect of it, you know, where like, that's not the most comfortable thing for me. Um, but I do it because I made this step three decision where like, whatever happens as a result of these steps, I'm going to go take that and carry that to other people. And I'm going to tell people about it and I'm going to seek out people who need it and I'm going to give it to them if they'll take it. And so with the zoom thing, when that, when that, when that happened, it was just like, like, uh, wow, I, I'm not inconvenienced at all. I get to sit mm. on my couch and dial into a meeting and be like, dude, I've never met. Can I help you? Um, you know, right, or, right. you know, my neighbor, my neighbor's this old dude with a heart condition. Well, cool. We'll shop for your groceries once a week. You know, like I'll take your garbage out. Like there are so many opportunities I hadn't noticed five months ago that just 
were always there. They were always there. When we, and even speaking of Zoom, like we could have always done this. We could have mm-hmm. always hopped on Zoom. We could have always gone in like a Google Hangout thing or Skype meeting. We always, we could have done this. And yet it took this global pandemic for me to recognize opportunities that may well have been ob- obvious to an awakened spirit. So like for me, it becomes painfully aware how self-absorbed I am that like I would enter into a new abundance of opportunity with fear for me not being able to go to meetings. It's like, I'm wrapped in fear. Meanwhile, God is just raining down opportunity to be helpful on me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I feel like when this whole pandemic happened, like it was the alcoholics who rallied the quickest. I had never heard of Zoom. It was like one day the pandemic was here and next mm-hmm. minute all the meetings are online. It was way before anybody else was doing anything online. And I'm leave leave it to us to figure out the crisis situation. (laughs) Like zombie apocalypse, go to the alcoholics. (laughs) We will have it like all done. Mm -hmm. And really, I don't know about you, but the more meetings I can go to without my pants on, the better. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) Yeah, I can just turn my camera off. (laughs) Some people I don't want to see in their bed. I don't want to see people in their pajamas in their bed, like dudes I see at meetings with like a brass... (laughs) back bed with rose wallpaper i don't want to see this please stop god i'm thinking about that one guy i know what you're (laughs) thinking i know i was waiting to see if you were going to say it or if i was going to say it we we were we were in a meeting and there was a guy and he was like he was like he was like this (laughs) and just the whole time he had his phone propped (laughs) and he was laying on his side in his bed and the only thing that would have made it better if he was like eating a bag of Doritos, like just <laughs> spilling Dorito dust on him as he was like at this meeting. But yeah, a hundred percent. You know, the thing, my, there's two things that come to mind. Number one, I try as of, uh, especially in the last like year or two of my sobriety um, to react the same way that Alcoholics Anonymous reacts, which is that I don't have a fucking opinion. Like, um, I, uh, you know, there, I'm going to steal a line from your book. Like, uh, I've retired from the debating society. Um, you know, uh, the first thought that came to my mind when I was sitting quietly in meditation and, and, uh, and I was, and I was open to, to what God had to say, um, was, Hey, um, jerk, you live in a beautiful home with a surrounded by an amazing, loving family. Um, yeah, you're not going to be going out to as many meetings or meeting with as many sponsees. Maybe you should turn your thoughts to these people that are directly in front of you mm-hmm. and offer them assistance during this time that maybe is making them, you know, nervous or uh, unsure. Um, I had um, a lot of, I mean, I have, I have children who are dealing with a lot of different things around school and graduations and, you know, a lot of different things. And so, um, you know, it was an opportunity initially for me to be like, hey, I can be useful to God in so many ways. Mm-hmm. It's not just in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I can be useful to God. In fact, I mean, it's one of my favorite lines in the book is, you know, it tells me that I should actually be looking to demonstrate this stuff in my home occupations and affairs. Yep. And, 
And if he put that in order of importance, which I personally believe he did, tells me that Alcoholics Anonymous is actually the last place that I should be demonstrating these principles because that's the easiest place to do it. Yeah. Right. It's easy to go to AA and be the good AA. That's easy. Right. But it's difficult to go home surrounded by financial worry and, mm-hmm. um, you know, whatever other troubles you have or go to work with the jerk boss or whatever it is and to demonstrate our principles there. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think too, like we have a lot of people have this notion that step 12 comes at the end when really step 12 can be incorporated at any time. Like, and I think it's important to start step 12 right at the beginning. It doesn't mean we don't then go one, two, three, all the way to 12, but I have a sponsee that's been struggling and relapsing at three. And I'm like, we got to pray together to figure out who you can be of service to. Mm-hmm. And today it came to me. It was for a woman that I know who's struggling with infertility that is not in recovery. And I said, I want you to pray for her every day. And what that what's genius about that is this person, my sponsee doesn't know about the higher power stuff. She believes in God, but then she doesn't, but then she does. And her prayer life isn't that great. But now that she's got an assignment to pray for someone every day and it hits close to home because she's had infertility in her family, Mm -hmm. she's now like ready to be a prayer warrior. And that cannot help but transform her step three. And like you said, Fred, I could do it at my home group because it's convenient because I just go 15 minutes before the meeting and set up or make coffee. But once I incorporate it outside, that's when the harmony happens between my recovered life and my daily life. And they all come together. And that's what the steps are for. Mm -hmm. Like not separating our life into compartments the way we did when we were using or drinking because we had to isolate or lie or whatever it was. You said something earlier that I loved, which is when you made an adjustment in your sponsorship style, God stepped in and was like, oh, you're ready? Okay, cool. Here's five women to sponsor. Go. Mm -hmm. Um, My experience is, is that when, because really what you did is you got out of the way and you let God do the work. You just, you just made it easier for him or it or whatever. And so um, it's the same thing. It's like when I get out of the way in my family and I allow God in, it's like God just steps in and does all this stuff and incredible gifts just start raining down on me. Um, And uh, it's the same. Every time I've gotten out of the way, God literally just steps in and is like, Oh, okay, you're done now. Cool. Here you go. Boom. You could have had this six months ago. You jerk, you know? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Are you done with, you done with your own idea? You ready? Yeah. Oh, (laughs) yeah. You ready for me to take over now? Just wait. It's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You let me know when you're ready. There was something else you said, Fred, that I wanted to comment on. And you talked about not having an opinion. Like, I'm not going to have an opinion on any of this. It's like that sentence on page 103 where it says, we have stopped fighting anybody or anything. That's what that is. I don't have an opinion. Okay, so what you said might be offensive. Oh, well, what does it mean to be? It's like, we shouldn't be fighters. We should be like water, not rock, like fluid in the program. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. A podcast greater than yourself has been brought to you today by Vape Fantasy e-cigarette products. Vape Fantasy. Check out our new house flavor, Tapioca Hamper. Tapioca Hamper. Go to vapefantasyecigs.net. Rip some sick-ass clouds outside the First Baptist Church after the meeting. Vape Fantasy e-cigarette products. Vape Fantasy.
uh, I always tell my sponsees, God rewards effort. Mm-hmm. Um, he, God is, is he's in the results business. I'm in the effort business. So, um, God is all about like, uh, you know, my sponsor was really clear when, when we sat down and we started working steps, like he told me right from the get go that the only reason he was doing this was so that I could do it with somebody else. It wasn't so that I would get anything out of it. Um, and, uh, and that the only time I would expect to receive was at the end. Um, and uh, then when we actually got to step 12, he would say things like, um, you know, uh, you need them way more than they need you. Um, and that, you know, if like he, he would say, okay, go to a meeting. I was in a big city, uh, meetings could get, I could go to a meeting with 50 people and, you know, 20 of them that might share might drop incredible, you know, just recovery that everybody would just run up to them after and be like, please be my sponsor. And they had like little cults of followings of, and I was sick, you know, whatever I was like four months, five months sober. And I was just like, so not saying anything good. And like, uh, you know, so he would be like, look around the room when people, cause they would go around like anybody with less than 30 days, raise your hand, introduce yourself. He's like, just find one. You're never going to remember them all. So just whichever one looks the most miserable or whatever, just find that one and remember their name. Mm-hmm. So if it's like, if you know, if if uh, Bill is in the back and, and Bill looks really fucking uncomfortable, you don't got to run over there right that second. Just wait till the end of the meeting and then you beeline it for that fucking guy. And you just go up. You don't go up and be like, hey, can I be your sponsor? You just go up and just be like, hey, man, how's it going? Mm-hmm. Like, yes. is it, how many how many days do you have now? How have you tried getting sober before? Like all the questions kind of Julie, you alluded to earlier. And my experience has been that I didn't get a lot of sponsees at the very beginning because I didn't have a tremendous amount to offer. That happened over time as I got better at honing my pitch and, and kind of having like something to say um, and having a, a, a God, actual God experience. But um, I think that God kept putting money in my God bank through that process because I was just willing to fucking go up to people and just be like, I don't know what the fuck's happening either, but I'm going to just be like, I hope your day is better. And if there's any ever anything I can do, you know, like hit me up or whatever. I think that's so important. Keeping your eyes peeled for the newcomer. Mm -hmm. Like we can get so used to like our little click or going over here, our usual routine, but like someone's always got to have eyes on the door because the greeter doesn't necessarily do that. And that person that looks uncomfortable, you just go up and go, hi, how are you? I'm Julie. Is this your first time here? How you doing? Because that's terrifying walking into a meeting for the first time, not knowing anything. Yeah. I think you hear it in meetings all the time is um this big push for home groups. And and there's two reasons why I've heard people say you should have a home group and it's the complete opposite of the, each other. Um, and I was told I needed to have a home group because I needed to be at this meeting so much that when a new person walked in, I immediately knew it. I knew it as soon as they walked in. I was like, you've never fucking been here before. So you're either about to speak or you're, or you're new, right? <laughs> but then there's this like whole other group of people who say, oh, you need to have a home group because you need somebody to hold you accountable. And I'm like, no, that's like, I, the, so the idea of having a home group is good, but I feel like when we lose the idea in this other thing, if this was a program of holding each other accountable, we would literally all drive over to a major city. We would fill a big stadium. We'd get together once a month and we'd all hold each other accountable for a little while. And we'd go back to our fucking <laughs> lives, you know, like I wouldn't need Alcoholics Anonymous. The reason I go every day or the reason I go to this meeting week in and week out is so that when you walk in and you're brand new, I'm like, that guy has never been here before that's the guy I need to talk to. Not the same three dudes that I see 
like in a text chat six times a day. <laughs> I love that so much. I cannot wait to use that as a, this is why you get a home group thing. That is so important. That's step 12, Fred. Well done. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I haven't even done my reading yet. <laughs> if your share is that good, I can't wait for the reading. Okay, so I did not pick uh, a a reading from Working With Others. Um, I went to my favorite chapter of the book, which is Bill's story. Um, (laughs) uh, Is it really your favorite, though? I don't know. I just feel like it's... um, I always say that sponsorship is just an English-to-English translation of the big book. Because the big book is written in this weird language and it's hard to understand nowadays and the words mean different things from the 1930s and so a lot of this is just pointing things out to people and then defining them and showing them and walking them through it in that way so i i totally understand your reasoning for using um the 12 and 12 as like a little study guide and i think that's really helpful thanks um so my line is at the bottom of 14 surprise surprise (laughs) surprise surprise (laughs) literally my i mean this is probably my favorite passage but it says um so i've been really into this idea of the anti-promise so we always talk about the promises i believe this is an anti-promise so um for if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead i literally have that underlined in my little book yeah. yeah i mean um so this is a there, there's a tiny there's a small word in here. It's actually in here twice if you read the next sentence as well. But it's the word if. Um, if means condition being met. So if you do not meet this condition, then this is the result you're going to get. So if you don't perfect and enlarge your spiritual life, so the goal of the twelve steps is not to stay sober. The goal of the twelve steps is to um, have a relationship with God. Through that relationship, we gain sobriety. Sobriety is granted to us. Um, and, and so the question is: Is when I'm new and I have no experience with God, you know, I don't come in here with an experience with God. The question is: Well, how do I do that? And this sentence fucking tells you exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. It says um, to do it through work and self-sacrifice. It now listen, I am not. I read actually earlier today, I was like Googling some stuff about AA and I stumbled upon like the service pamphlet thing or whatever. It's like the AA original service transcript. Mm-hmm. And it's talking about, you know, how there's all these different levels of service. And like you even alluded to it earlier, Julie, like just going to a meeting 15 minutes early and like making coffee or whatever. It's like, I'm not saying that that's not service. What I'm suggesting is it's not work and it's not self-sacrifice. And these mm. are the these are the silos. These are the things that I need to determine. Like, is what I'm doing work and is it self-sacrifice? Um, self-sacrifice is giving up time of my family tasty. to go and meet with a sponsee, you know? Um, self-sacrifice That is delicious. Is, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, um, you know, self-sacrifice is, is, um, is putting myself, right, not number one. Um, and so uh, the next part is, and this is where the anti-promise comes in. This is not a promise of if you do this, you're going to get great shit, like a bunch of the promises we often quote in meetings. This is the promise of, hey, if you don't do this, you will not be able to survive the certain. It doesn't say possible. It says certain, meaning your life doesn't get better just because you got sober. Mm-hmm. In fact, your life's probably going to get fucking worse. If you're a real alcoholic, you're you're actually in for it. About 90 days from now, you're fucked. 
right? You, you've removed <laughs> yep. all solutions at this point. And if you haven't already t- attached yourself to this God idea, then you're, you're tri- the trials and low spots are coming. And if you haven't yep. done anything, then you're going to drink because you're a fucking alcoholic. But if you simply um, attempt to enlarge, and this is what I always say to new guys, at, as much time as I have sober, I have to grow a pretty good amount every day to keep ahead of where I was yesterday. But on day two, I didn't have to grow very much on day three to be more spiritual than I was on day two. Mm-hmm. So it's like small incremental growth at the very beginning. And then it becomes larger growth as you get more into it. But the thing that happens is, is now when I first did it, I did it because I had no fucking choice. I did it because I was mm-hmm. dying and mm-hmm. I was hopeless today. I do it because I love it because God has entered my heart because it's the fucking greatest thing in my life. And it would, I would, I would hate to go a day without connecting with God. That would be, that would be the worst possible outcome <laughs> to not connect to God every day. Whereas at the beginning, it was a little bit of a chore. Honestly, it was a little bit like, the, Oh, I fuck. I forgot to pray. Like, I got to do that now, you know? And like, that wasn't always the thing I was thinking about. Whereas today it's like, that's the things I look forward to, to quietly commune with my creator. It's like one of the greatest times of my entire day. You Fucking bring that word, Fred. That was so good. That's all I need to hear. See you later. Chicken nuggies of wisdom there. That was like (laughs) slam the big book down on the floor. I love it. So one thing that comes to mind is like when I, so when I sponsor somebody and they get to page 84, when we start steps 10 and 11, as we do the amends, like once you've got a solid amends, one or two, whatever, like a real one, not like, well, I kind of called my ex-girlfriend. Like, not, you know. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, but... <laughs> yeah. Always call her first, by the way. Always <laughs> first. And meet her in person right. if you can. Once you've got um, a couple of men's, cool. Let's start daily disciplines of 10 11, which are, like, so insanely clear in 84 through 88. And so uh, in that... Um, also what you're going to start doing and i usually go it's like okay cool if i check in with the dude like two three days later and this guy has not done that shit at all all right we're having another discussion the the paradigm the goal would be that i check in a couple days later or he checks in with me and he's been doing that shit and maybe doesn't have like you know any sort of breadth of understanding about it but he gets the the mechanisms he's like yes i am reading that and doing that i'm doing that i'm doing the morning i'm doing the night i'm calling you when i got a 10 step cool now you're in step 12 so what are you gonna do my biggest piece of advice guidance whatever is always uh newcomer meetings you're going to a meeting from now on to see who you can help. That's mm. the only reason you're at the meeting. You are there to help other people. So how are you going to do that? Well, right now, what we need to do is we need to get your feet in the ground sponsoring people. We need you to start taking people through the steps that I just helped you go through. So how do you do that? Well, the the best way is kind of what what Fred said earlier. The best way for you right now at you know, 25 days, whatever it is, listen for the most miserable piece of shit in the room. (laughs) I don't care if he says he's got 35 years, Mm. go up to that dude immediately after the meeting, remember his name and see how he's doing. If he's new 
ask him what his deal is. Find out, you know, we're reviewing this stuff in chapter seven. Find out as much as you can about him. Find out this page 44 qualifiers. What does it look like when you drink? Have you tried to stop drinking? What does that look like? How's that worked? How many times you tried this? Are you working the steps? Do you have a sponsor? Do you have a book? All my guys, I give them those little books you got, the one that you're writing in right now. I give them a bunch of those. Hey, here you go. Take these. Give these to people at meetings. Tell them to read up to page 44. They can diagnose themselves. But the whole point of it is to be taking action. It's something that both of you guys mentioned earlier. Like in 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 that 84 through 88, there's this there's this part. It's a spiritual program of action, right? So if I'm to grow spiritually, that's going to be through taking actions. Mm-hmm. There's not another way for someone like me to grow spiritually. I need to take actions. That's the AA program. I'm taking actions to grow spiritually. And that's this reading that you just read. If I'm not taking actions, I'm regressing. If I'm regressing, certain trials and low spots ahead are going to be real fucking bad. Yeah, because we don't stand still. You're either moving forward or you're moving backward. Like there's no standing still. And what's really cool is you just talked about page 84. Remember how I said page 103, it says we stop fighting anyone or anything. It also says it on page 84. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 10-step promises. I love that. That's one of the tastiest parts of the whole book. We've ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, for by this time, Mm -hmm. sanity will have returned. Will have returned. Yep. I, I actually we uh, mm-hmm. at the, the meetings that that uh, John and I have been a part of starting. Um, we always read the ten step promises, not the ninth step promises, because for a real alcoholic, to me that's the more that's the promises I needed to hear when I was new. For sure, the, the idea that I could that I could no longer obsess over alcohol that's one of the promises. Because like the thing is, is I, um, I don't know about you guys, but like. I, I actually have an ability to build my life back up. Like I can destroy a life and I'm actually pretty good at building it back up. Like I'm good at getting a job. I'm good at wearing masks. I'm good at tricking people into believing certain things about me. I'm also really good at pulling that fucking structure down, mm-hmm. you know, and burning it. Right. Mm-hmm. But what I'm not good at is not drinking when I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, what I'm not good at is like uh, only having two. You know, mm-hmm. so the idea that there's a promise that that sa- that alcohol is no longer gonna be a problem for me, that is a pretty important promise. You know, yeah, and you you, I feel like the huge mistake with the promises, the nine step promises, being read so many times. When when I read the nine step promises, and there's, I mean, I think Mark Houston used to do it. Um, I've heard a bunch of people talk about it though, but. This stuff in the nine step promises, I knew that stuff. I have experienced nine step promises in my life well before having a spiritual experience as a result of the steps. Well before. Yes. And when 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 Vicodin worked for me, when mm. when Ambien and Jack Daniels worked for me, I felt every single one of the nine step promises. What I had never experienced in my life before was having a problem that I found absolutely insurmountable. Like you said, where like I'm at a place in my life where I don't really want to stop drinking. I just want to not drink on the days when I don't want to drink. 
if mm-hmm. I could mm-hmm. fucking pull that off to just not drink when I didn't want to, but I can't, I keep drinking against my own will. And I'm, and I'm reading in this book, like, that's just going to keep happening to you, brother. You're fucked. You're a fucking mm-hmm. alcoholic. So when I read the 10 set promises and it talks about neutrality, I'm a black mm. and white asshole. I don't know neutrality. I don't know that. I don't know that that's a reality for for people. I think that those people live in la la land and they're deluding themselves and they're they're crazy or lying. And then having to having experienced neutrality around something that drove my entire life and that kept me drinking and using drugs against my own wishes, let alone the people mm-hmm. around me, ex- waking up one day or realizing in meditation one day that I hadn't, I ha, I still live in the same house and have the same partner and the same job and car. And I live right by an old dealer and right by my favorite bar. And I hadn't thought about drinking or using in days. And that thing in my brain that always needed to feel like it was like, I need to get drunk. It was gone. It was not there anymore. And to experience mm-hmm. that and to know I'm not white knuckling, I'm not, afraid it's been removed to have that is like a full body chill like i've never experienced and it's totally a different thing like you're saying from the nine step promises Mm -hmm. well it says it in step 12 too like we can do all sorts of things alcoholics aren't supposed to do like be at a bar like go to a party like be at a dinner party where friends are drinking but the caveat is assuming we are spiritually Mm -hmm. fit Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? It means working our program. It's being connected to higher power. I often travel and sit at a bar and I'll eat like oysters and have soda water or whatever. And I, they're right in front of me. And I look at and I sit there and I wonder how the fuck I cannot be saying, give me that whiskey, give me that vodka, yeah. give me that whatever. I'm literally in a position of neutrality and right. doors are not close to me. Um, and that's freedom. I don't white knuckle it. I don't have to be beholden to my addiction, but I'm spiritually fit and yeah. I have to work on that. It's like contingent upon my daily maintenance. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't stop. But like right. you were saying, Fred, like a life without God, now a life without prayer, a life without our fellowship or our meetings or our program. I don't want to live a life like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's food I, for uh, my soul. I've been thinking, uh, you know, there's the line, um, I forget actually now I'm going to free. I'm not good at remembering like what page shits on, but I just remember the stuff from the book, but, um, Oh, is it from the doctor's opinion when he says, though he may come to scoff, he may remain to pray. And that has been in like in my mind when I, as we've been recording these, I've been thinking like, you know, people may come here to, to listen to us, to like hate listen, uh, which I'm okay with, you know, but I hope that, <laughs> If our experience um, if, on Instagram is, is right, if it's correct, I have a lot of hate <laughs> followers, but, um, but yeah, I, I hope that they come to hate, but they remain to, to pray because to me, that's what this is all about. You know, this is all about, um, I have found this power and I maintain this, uh, relationship with this power through this. Uh, you, you said it earlier, Julie is like, um, you know, I'm uniquely qualified. And it's a, and today the worst parts of my life have become my greatest assets. Mm-hmm. You know, the worst parts of my history have become my greatest assets, and I use those um, to help others. And it's it's the shining bright spot of my life. Absolutely. Well, there you go. All right. So, twelve questions with our guest 
Julie from the podcast Two Sober Chicks. Uh, question one. How many people have you sponsored? About half of them. <laughs> half of the humans on Earth? So about about four billion? Like in the history of me being sober, how yeah. many have I sponsored? Yeah. Probably under 20. Okay. Like 18, 19. Okay. Okay. How long did it take you to do the steps? The first time? Yes. Two years. I know that's a long time. Okay. I don't recommend that. It's a judgment-free zone. Okay. <laughs> when was the last time you heard someone's fifth step? Two weeks ago. Nice. Mm-hmm. When did you feel the nearness of your creator? The When I did step three and I got on my knees and I just was like, I lost myself because I'd never known that feeling before. I was at, I was five months over. Awesome. Um, what is your idea of the perfect meeting? That's a really difficult question. Any meeting, like a meeting where a speaker doesn't get up and talk about their life, but actually talks about their experience, strength and hope. And it's like raw and they're like mm. broken. That's my favorite. Nice. All right. You don't want to hear 50 minutes about drinking right after 15 minutes of childhood stuff. <laughs> Or like the the circuit speakers where you know exactly what they're going to say at what time. It's so pre-recorded and you're like, we were just talking about his wife and losing the remote. Yeah. We were just talking about that, like, um, slogan speaker who gets up and just drops slogan after slogan. Not the AA slogans, but like their little catchphrase things. And then like, you kind of like find yourself after five minutes, you're just like not even paying attention anymore because you just, you already know what they're going to say. I, uh, I would rather somebody. Yeah, it feels. Well, and the other thing that gets me is that I've never prepared any time for when I speak in Alcoholics Anonymous. So I never know where the fuck that shit's going. And I always pray right before to have God remove me of my thinking and say what he wants. And I've got, I usually black out halfway through and then come to at the end. And I'm like, the fuck did I just say? Like, I can't even remember half the time. So when these people get up and they have these like rote things where they're just like hitting these perfect little cues and catching every little, like I have a couple jokes that I can work in every time, but like, um, I'm always amazed. We had, we heard a speaker, uh, this last week and it was like 20 minutes and he didn't take a breath. And I was like, holy fuck, (laughs) that was impressive. That's my problem with it, where it's like, just like, I'm, I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I don't feel like I'm a part of this. Like, I, I'm just, a guy's just like, right. I have a sponsor. My sponsor knows he's my sponsor. I sponsor men. Uh, they have sponsees and I have a sobriety date. I have a home. Gr- I'm like, dude, stop. <laughs> Slow down, dude. Like, what are you, is this a recording? Like, <laughs> can we go 15 seconds forward or? <laughs> Okay, sorry, back to... this is We're not doing a very good job of the lightning round. Okay. Um, we never do. I mean. No, I know. Uh, have you heard a fifth step that did not include weird sex stuff? Yes. Okay. Um, next question. Please tell us every item from that fifth step. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Um, I've heard a fifth step with child sacrifice in it. D- Holy dope! Fuck. I'm serious. And you made you, and you made a podcast about, about sobriety and not about that. <laughs> you do a true crime podcast. Come on. 
branch out a little bit. Yeah, the person themselves weren't doing it, but they were a witness to it. Wow. Like, did... Can I go... So many questions. questions. I know. I'm just like, can, can, we, can we diverge a little? Um, did, I know, and we're all laughing about it. Like, it only takes drunks and addicts exactly. to do this. But did it... Did so it, true. When you were talking to them, did it seem like one of those regression therapy things that happened in the 80s where like a lie spun out of control or did it seem like oh this person was fucking witness to a child sacrifice yeah it was this like this person was witness wow wow uh-huh. yeah. that's fucking uh-huh. crazy so maybe uh, what's your idea of a perfect meeting <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Bill or Bob? Well, I've been to Dr. Bob's house, so I feel like I know him personally, so Bob. Mm. I watched that video. Yep. I mean, Did you? I've seen it too. Yeah, yeah, you counted the steps as you walked up and everything. Mm-hmm. So fun. Everyone um, should do it. It's like going to Mecca. Every alcoholic mm-hmm. and addict should do it. So good. So just want to share. Stalkers also say similar things. <laughs> I feel like I know him. I've been to his house. I've hung out in the shrubs outside the bedroom. Uh, my favorite literature, other than the book in Alcoholics Anonymous, is um, Dr. Bob's Farewell Talk. Have you read that? No, you've read all the good you, stuff. You haven't read that? Oh, I figured. Oh my you'd be god! All okay. over that. As soon as we're done, it's like three paragraphs. Yeah. So he was short. like, um, it was in the nineteen. Uh, I'm gonna get. I'm not. I'm not great with numbers and shit like that. But it's. It was in the first major world conference, and he was basically on his deathbed. He ended up yeah. dying. I think like, it was, uh, so it was in July, and then he died in October. So yeah, yeah, he's fifty or fifty-five. I always get confused. So nineteen fifty, I think you're right, John. And he basically gets up and he. He's like, he's supposed to do like an hour and then Bill's going to do an hour and they're going to have this whole thing, but he's super sick. So he gets up and basically talks for like maybe three and a half minutes. And it is to me the most powerful three and a half minutes in Alcoholics Anonymous. I cry almost every time I hear it. Um, that man was just, you just, if you can Google it and just read the transcript or it's on XA speakers and you can hear him and then you can hear Bill too um, in that thing. But um, I, I listen to that so often because I, I was telling this to John the other day, the way he frames Alcoholics Anonymous in that speech is the way I want to be in Alcoholics Anonymous. Like that oh is my, my goal. Gosh. Yeah. I am so doing that the second we get off of this Zoom call. It's incredible. Podcast You'll love it. Thing. You'll love it. Um, okay. Uh, outside of um, preparing for sponsees or meeting with sponsees, how much time have you spent studying the book? Oh, like accumu- like cumulatively? Yeah, like total over your sobriety lifetime. But months. Mm. Like I never jump on a call with a sponsee who's doing a step without reading the readings I assign them plus like the Joe and Charlie workbook plus lecture notes that I have from doing 12 step lectures, like at treatment centers. I never go in blind ever Mm. twofold illness or threefold illness. Oh my God. Threefold. Okay. Why? So to me, it's always interesting to ask people if they like have an opinion on it because some people have like a very vitriolic opinion of very it. strong so it's all it's just it's the thing i like to ask because like i've literally heard people just 
get very, very heated on both sides. Guys, be, guys, women, whatever. People who I know are like big book people. Julie, I'm guessing that you are on a few Facebook, a like AA Facebook groups. Are you? Are you? Uh, no, I fucking on... hate Facebook. No, no. Oh, you're not. Okay. Devil. No, no, no. I was gonna say if you if you want to have fun, go on to one of those AA Facebook groups and just type that in, and just post that as a comment, twofold or threefold, and just watch the comments happen. It's incredible. Yeah. It, people get really fired up. BS. Okay, so where are you guys on twofold or threefold? I think we differ, actually. We do. Okay, why? He says and how? So, um, well, so toward the beginning of the book, Bill calls it a twofold illness, and that's the whole argument. <laughs> twofold people say that it's a obsession, it's an allergy, and obsession because everyone has the spiritual malady. So all humans are spiritually failing. Yeah. To my mind, the right. page 52 stuff, bedevilments, that's the spiritual malady. That's the human condition. I'm a spiritual entity having a human experience until I'm only a spirit and I'm connected to the spirit realm. I'm going to be experiencing, you know, like people who are depressed, people who are racist assholes. That's a form of spiritual malady that just like this is the reason why, like when when a speaker goes on for 40 minutes for his talk about I never felt right in the world I always was uncomfortable I was seeking stuff this and that never never does he qualify himself to sit behind a podium at an AA meeting he's just talking about spiritual malady stuff that my grandma could identify with why are you here yeah. do you have a physical reaction to alcohol that's abnormal and an obsession of the mind so that's my understanding of of that it's a twofold illness, but I'm not like fuck you. It's twofold, you know. And there right. are plenty of people who are. So I we think, run with a few. I um, think Fred yeah. is it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, my okay. Like if somebody asks me, my answer is who fucking cares? Yeah, <laughs> honestly, because I'm like, how the fuck is this helping? <laughs> this is answer. only dividing. This is only dividing us. As a, as a fellowship, it's not it's not bringing us together, you know. Um, it's not to me. It's like it's a worthless argument. The thing that I that gets frustrating for me is that, and I do this too. Is like I will get into a room with a bunch of people and I will see eye to eye with them on eighty five percent. But rather than focus on that, I focus on the fifteen percent that yeah. we don't agree on in alcoholics. Like they want to go to a meeting every day, and I think going to a meeting every day is fucking lame. And so then I'm like, fuck that piece of shit you know and they probably think the same thing about me you know what i mean like and so um i and so i'm trying really hard to to grow away from that and to grow towards a more like i'm gonna focus on the shit like yeah. they sponsor people fucking high five yeah. you know that's awesome dope and why i like to ask it is because it is this hilarious pedantic pointless argument that i watch people engage in and it's just like i've 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 yet to ask it to someone on the podcast who's like Oh, dude, it's, you know what I mean? Like, you just get angry about it. Like, everyone I've asked it to is... But like, it's coming. Well, we had one guest who I knew had a hard line well, yeah. on it, and I didn't ask it, because I'm like, I'm not, I don't want to get into that. With right. <laughs> That's not the point mm -hmm. of asking it. It's like a tongue-in-cheek thing, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm also excited to see, like, what kind of emails and responses we get based on these questions, like, if it fires people up out there, so it'll be fun to see. Okay, um, how did your sponsor approach you? How did she approach me? Mm -hmm. I approached her at, when I was five months sober at a women's um, retreat 
And the reason I chose her is because I thought, what kind of badass chick is not going to be like, you did what? When I say my fourth. And she was like, badass. She was a tough chick, like a motorcycle chick. And I said, will you be my sponsor? And she said, yes. Oh, you specifically picked her because you were like, and then we ran off into the field holding hands and singing. (laughs) Twirling in the grass. Wow. That's dramatic. I know you didn't want to ask me the fuck, Mary kill question because you think for some reason I'm too pure to answer that. <laughs> but I have to tell you that it like usually the person that I would fuck, I would kill right after. So there's only really two people. You're like a so, praying mantis. <laughs> praying mantis. Yeah. Okay. We'll do. Okay. Fuck, Mary okay. kill. Mm-hmm. Bill Wilson, Dr. Bob, Dr. Silkworth. That's a hard <sighs> one. Yeah. I would marry Dr. Silkworth. Finally. He's kind of an open-minded dude. Yeah. Yeah. I would fuck the doctor for sure, and I would kill the businessman. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) So my final question is, um, how many meetings do you attend weekly? And give your answer in both current Zoom COVID times and, you know, prior to that. My wheelhouse of perfection is two a week, unless I'm going through a hard time, in which case I go up to three. And right now I'm doing the same on Zoom. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. That's great. And if I have to make a big decision or have a difficult conversation, I time it so that it's about a half an hour or like a couple of hours before I go to a meeting. Like I'll do that and then I have to go to a meeting. It's just like my insurance policy. What, uh, what's the impetus for that? Because I can very easily get emotionally spun. And if I'm like anticipating a conversation or a decision or a phone call, and then I have that, I have to immediately go to my solution because I walk into a meeting and, and then by the time the meeting's over, it doesn't really matter what happened like two hours ago. I'm okay. I'm in the solution. I'm connected to God. I've been with my people. The world is right. Nice. All right. Bonus question. Uh, how would you define 13th stepping? I love how you guys talked about that on the podcast. That's my favorite answer ever. When you are approaching someone in the rooms for something other than being of service to someone for your own gain. But I would define it as trying to hook up in the rooms. So you, that was, um, you, you enjoy Senator Ted C's lofty spiritual answer but it's trying to fuck in the rooms yeah yeah because <laughs> I, I i was genuinely surprised at his at his response to that uh that was like one of the dopest wokest answers it was possible. so good i was like <laughs> damn dude maybe i should retire that question after this i know mm-hmm. that was a really good answer well this has been awesome we're i know so much fun we're both super stoked to have you on the show and I think Thank you so great. much for doing this. I really that was admire so your, fun. your recovery and everything that you're doing with your, your podcast. So thank you for bringing some of that here. Thank you for having me. I had such a fun time with you guys. I love your podcast. I can't wait to listen to this one back and see horrible shit I said that I forgot that I said. <laughs> you, said well, and <laughs> you said you would kill Bill Wilson. And I think probably everyone's true. fine with that. Look forward to doing this again with you. Me too. We'll Bye, two today. sober dicks. Cool. <laughs> <laughs>
been a podcast greater than yourself. A podcast greater than yourself was created by recovered alcoholics. All involved in the creation of this podcast are active members of Alcoholics Anonymous who wish to carry the message of our own recovery to those who still suffer. We do not claim to represent Alcoholics Anonymous. All comments are from our own experiences as alcoholics who have recovered by following the directions for the 12 steps found in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Thanks for listening.